Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. For those of you that don't know, my name is Audrey Ponsell, and I am honored to be here tonight. Um, it's been actually a few months ago that um, I was asked to, to join in and pray in with this couple. And right before we prayed, these two words dropped in my heart. Only believe. Only believe. And I mean, it was like it just hit me hard. Only believe. Man, the things that we'll be able to see if we only believe in this. Only believe in this. Amen. Let's turn to um, Mark chapter 5. How many of you still bring an, a, a Bible? Amen. Nothing against your iPhones with your Bible in it. Okay, I'm not, uh, not coming against that. But I got to have my Bible. Mark chapter 5. You know, it's just so exciting to me um, when the Holy Spirit drops something in your heart that we've actually already been talking about. You know, um, I told Pastor Mark Sunday, I said, well, here's what I'm going to be speaking on. And I said, it's like you just said so many things that just lined up with that, you know. Um, but beginning in verse 21, and when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse, when she heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. Hallelujah. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept, and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. 
And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, uh-huh, that's right. <laughs> Which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. That's powerful. Just that entire passage is so powerful. But I want us to go back um, to verse 23. And it said, and um, this is uh, the, the ruler speaking now. He said, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. He recognized that he was in a situation that required more than what he had. You know, so many times we try to do things on our own. And we try to do it in our own ability. And uh, with maybe some limited um, uh, resources. But he recognized that i got to have something greater than this. I've got to have something or somebody greater than me. A power greater than what I can do. And the first thing we have to do to get help is recognize that we need help. He recognized that he needed help. And so many times we, we do, we try to work out our own, our own problems. Um, we, you know, the first thing we do a lot of times when we get sick is go straight to the doctor. Nothing wrong with that. But there's a greater power. There's a greater source. So recognize to begin with when you need help. You need help. In uh, verse 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. So, you know, he had asked her, asked Jesus to come, and we read that um, he, he began to follow him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. She came, she touched him, and she was healed. But this stopped the process. For um, the ruler. This stopped the whole process of him getting to his miracle. He was on the way. He was on the path. He was on the road. But something happened and stopped it. And you know when we're on our way. When we're standing in faith. And, and we're, we're down that path. We're believing. We're trusting God. We've got a hold of the word. He got Jesus. He got a hold of the word. We're on the way to get my daughter healed. And when you've got the word. You're standing in it. You're walking in it. There's going to be people along your path that are going to need it too. They may interrupt you. Don't let that interrupt what you have. Don't let that interrupt the, the promise that you have and let that be something that, that causes a distraction for you. Stop and help them. Encourage them. Don't let that be a hindrance, but help them. Don't let, I mean, Jesus is, if Jesus sees faith, he's going to stop. And this woman had faith. She was reaching out in faith. Well, he's going to reach back. When you're standing in faith or with somebody standing in faith beside you, Jesus is there. His word will be performed. So don't let that be a hindrance. Stop. Help somebody else. Help them along the way. Don't let any distraction, though, keep you from the path that you're on. But don't let your path keep you so narrow-minded that you miss somebody around you that needs help. We get so caught up in what we need, and nothing wrong with that. God gave us promises to stand on. He wants us to walk in it. He wants us to believe in it. Only believe. But at the same time, don't get so narrow-minded 
that you miss the person beside you or the path, the person that's right in your path. Don't kick them out of the way. Help them. Be there for them. They're reaching out in faith, so you reach back. You help them. You stand beside them. And it will encourage. I mean, really, if you think about it, he, he, um, Jesus had told him, you know, he's, he's with him. He's going with him. He came to him knowing that, that you can help me, and Jesus is going with him. So this is just a point of encouragement because he's going to see another miracle. So this is a point of encouragement. In uh, verse 35, while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Recognize who's with you. Be careful of the messengers that you have around you. Because at that point, had he gotten his focus on the messenger, on somebody that he knew, somebody that I can guarantee you this messenger was somebody from his house, somebody that he knew, somebody that he trusted, be careful of who is standing with you. Be careful of the voices around you. Be careful of the messenger that comes to you and says it's too late. It's too late. Just leave the master alone. It's too late. You know, there's going to be a a point in time where you're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to trust what what Jesus said? Am I going to trust this word? Am I going to continue to believe in this promise? Or I'm going to listen to the voice that said, don't worry, it's too late. Let's go. It's too late. What what choice am I going to make? What voice am I going to listen to? Who am I going to hear? Verse 36, oh, but Jesus, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe, only believe. Who will you listen to? Which voice are you going to hear? Verse 38. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed. Well, let's start, go back up to verse 37. He suffered no man to follow him save save Peter and James and John, the brother of uh, James. In your walk of faith, there's going to be times that you're believing for things and you've got the word and you're standing on them. There's times that you're going to have to put aside other people. They're just not going to walk with you and believe with you and stand with you. They may be friends and they may have been with you for a long time. But you've got to recognize who do I need to take with me and who do I need to let go. Maybe not in every situation, but there may be something that you're believing for and they're just not getting it. And you need to just not be rude, but just let them go. Just, Just turn that voice off. Um, take that path and, and let them go. It doesn't mean that they're not believers. It doesn't mean that they're against you. It doesn't mean that, that, um, that you're just to stop loving them and, and stop caring for them. But sometimes they don't see what you see. They don't get what you get. They don't know what God's put in your heart. They don't know the word that you've you at night when you've gotten a hold of the word and you heard the voice of God and you knew what he told you and they don't know that just let them go 
Don't take them with you because I'm telling you that's going to be a hindrance. Let them go. Let them go. In verse 38, And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And he was come in, he said unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed to him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. They were surrounded by family and friends at the time of this death. Their daughter had died and they were surrounded by family and friends. And just as in walking on this path, there's going to be times that, that you just need to put aside family. You need to put aside friends. They are there to help you, but sometimes they're there to help you mourn. And you don't need to be mourning. You need to be standing on the Word of God. You need to be believing. You don't need to be backing up on God's promises. There is hope. There is deliverance. There is healing. There is wealth. There is prosperity. There is fullness of joy. There is love overflowing. There is forgiveness. And a lot of times they're going to just dig in and take you in the opposite direction. And you're just going to have to bust out of it and say, not now. Not now. We're going, I'm standing on God's promises. And if I have to do it by myself, then I'll do it by myself. But you have to make a decision to get those voices out of your mind, get those voices out of your room, get those voices out of your path, and stand on the Word of God. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Mark, in one of his sermons, he said, you've got to believe, you've got to believe, you've got to believe. There comes a time when we have to believe the Word of God if we want to walk in His promises. What are we going to do? What choice are we going to make? Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 18, let me back up just a little bit. I had this written down. We must get to a place that we are willing to only believe as Jesus commanded, even if it means there's no one left to stand with us. You know, Jarius, he didn't have the power to heal his daughter. But he knew who had the power. And we have a connection to the power. We are not the power. But we have a connection to the power. And Jarius had a decision to either stay plugged into that power or to walk away and say it's too late. And we have that connection. That power is within us. We're not that power, but we have that power. And our connection is with Jesus. Our connection is with the word. Our connection is our, is, is our belief and our faith in that word. Stay plugged in. Stay connected. Ephesians 1, chapter, uh, verse 18. It says, The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power, Toward us who believe, 
according to the working of his mighty power. Glory to God. It is his power. It is his power within us. It's not mine. It's not yours. And we have to recognize, I can't do this without him. I can't live a successful Christian life without God. I can't do it without supernatural help. I might get through this life and have a decent life. But I can't live a successful Christian life without the power of God. A supernatural revelation of who God is, of what he's done for me, of what he's put inside of me, of who I am because of Christ and being connected to him. Psalms chapter uh, 27 and verse 14. In the Passion Translation it says, here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Hope is so important. If you start losing hope, you're going you're gonna to step out of faith. Yes, keep on waiting. <laughs> Why? For he will never disappoint you. I got to read that again. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting. For he will never disappoint you. Amen. Amen. Matthew uh, chapter 9 and verse 27. As Jesus left the house, two blind men began following him, shouting out over and over, Son of David, show mercy and heal us. And they followed him right away into the house where Jesus was staying. So Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I have power to restore a sight to your eyes? They replied, Yes, Lord, we believe. Then Jesus put his hands over their eyes and said, You will have what your faith expects. Our response should always be, yes, Lord, I believe. If Jesus asks you that, yes, Lord, I believe. And when we see the word of God, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe. Help me. Help me believe, Holy Spirit. Help me get that revelation. I believe. I believe. I believe. Do you believe? Amen. Mark chapter 6. In, uh, beginning in verse 4. Let me. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. When I read this, I just, um, just want to say as a word of caution, don't, be, don't become too familiar with our pastors on the natural level. Don't become so caught up in who they are naturally that you miss who they are spiritually to this church. God brought them to this church as a gift to the church. 
they are a spiritual gift to us, to this area. And if we begin to recognize and see them as mere men, as natural men, instead of the spiritual people that God has put in this place, we'll miss a lot of things supernaturally. There is a lot that God wants to do here. There is a lot in our pastors and through our pastors that God wants to do in this house and in this area. And a lot of that will depend on us. We need to draw on the anointing that God's put inside of them. Sunday when he comes back, I charge you, draw on that anointing that God has put in him. There's things that he will begin to teach. He will begin to speak that he hasn't even studied. The revelation, the the scripture that he's read will become even more illuminated as he begins to speak because you're drawing on that. Don't just come in here and sit back and say, okay, here I am. Draw on that anointing. He is a gift. They are a gift. And there's nothing wrong with getting to know them in the natural. Nothing at all. But don't let that hinder who they are spiritually. Don't begin to see them the way that, um, that Jesus' um, hometown saw him. Because it limited what he could do there. And if we begin to do that, we will limit what God wants to do with them in this place. But recognize, pray over them. Lord, I thank you for sending them to us. Did you know that they have flaws? Did did y'all know that? Oh, come on. (laughs) But thank God they have the Holy Spirit within them. They are led by the Holy Spirit. They are anointed to be in this place. Anointed to be in this place. And we recognize them as who they are, a gift to this place, a spiritual gift. And we thank God for them. We just, we just pray over them right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for revelation knowledge to come forth. We thank you for the gifts to flow through them and through this church. Father, we recognize that you have placed them here. And we ask you, Father, just to bless them even now. Let them, Father, be restored. Let them be um, refreshed, renewed. Let their vision be clear. Father, that it not be cloudy, that circumstances would not cause anything to be cloudy in, in what you've placed in their hearts. And, Father, we thank you for it now. We bless them. We bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 3 in uh, verse 1, it says, And he entered the synagogue again, and a man, a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal them on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. Ooh, that got me. I don't want to grieve Jesus because of the hardness of my heart. And when we don't draw in faith, when we don't stand in faith, when we don't believe his word, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the only way to please the Father is through faith? Is through faith. I don't want my heart to be hardened. 
I want my heart to be open to receive the word of God. To believe the word that Jesus has given us. Verse 11, it says, And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. You know, that's pretty sad that the demons recognized who Jesus was, but the religious people did not. That's being blinded. I don't want to be blinded. I don't want to be blinded. That, that, I mean, that's pretty bad. Mark 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 17. We'll miss out on the supernatural if we become hardened. If we're blinded, we'll miss out on the supernatural. We'll miss out on, on, on what God's trying to do in our life every day. Every day. Mark 9 and beginning in verse 17. A man out of the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my mute son made speechless by a demon to you. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and goes stiff as a board. I told your disciples hoping they could deliver him, but they couldn't. Jesus said, what a generation. No sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy here. They brought him. When the demon saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a seizure, causing him to writhe on the ground and foam at the mouth. He asked the boy's father, how long has this been going on? Ever since he was a little boy, many times it pitches him into the fire or the river to do away with him. If you can do anything, do it. Have a heart and help us. Jesus said, and this is in the message, if there are no ifs among believers, anything can happen. Did you hear that? There are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. Guys, I just want to remind you that God created this world. <laughs> Why do we think he can't take care of us? Why do we think he hasn't provided what we need? There are no ifs in the kingdom of God. When we get the word, now get the word. You got to have the word. You can't stand in faith without the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, you know, if you don't have the word, you're, I mean, you're not standing in faith. I'm sorry. But you got to have the word. You got to have the promise. But when you get that, there are no ifs. Only if you don't believe. Hebrews um, chapter 10 and verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter in the holiest, but holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He is faithful. Hold fast our confession to the word of God. Can y'all play the video? I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. And a pastor came up 
And he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here. And I fly a small airplane. And I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it. You got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up. And it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going <laughs> to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now, it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head. And he starts mumbling and he passes out passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that. Yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello, don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, tell them, we don't know nothing. Tell them we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell them that's correct. Now you can understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now, hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said... I have to follow your voice? Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand, without God's voice, you have nothing. 
nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices. And everybody in this world wants to talk to you. And everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop. And the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. I knock at my door. And I open the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. He said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, holy. Amen. That was just a powerful video to me. Um, in the message, Mark 5, 36, it says, Jesus overheard what they were talking about and said to the leader, don't listen to them, just trust me. 
Believe only what he's told you. Believe only the word. Tonight, tomorrow, you have a choice to make. Which voice am I going to listen to? Which word am I going to stand on? Which, which, which one am I going to rise up and say, I believe you. I believe you, Jesus. I believe your word. I'm going to put aside those voices that are telling me anything different than your word. I'm going to believe you. Amen. Only believe. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.